topic, your 20s are for training. How many of you are already in your 20s? Good, a fair bunch of you. Uh, You are most likely a part of a student ministry somewhere. Uh, You're here because you're very concerned about walking with God, about growing in Christ, about making a difference with your life. I remember whenever I was 21, I was turned 21 in April, graduated from college in May. I got a degree in mathematics and chemistry. And I was walking across the stage. They were getting ready to hand me the empty diploma cover. You know, that's what they do. And then they, they find out who you are on the other side and give you the real one. But I was walking across the stage to get the diploma, and I took this guy's hand, and he shook my hand. Congratulations. They called my name, and I walked off with a diploma cover, and I thought, I don't feel like a chemist. I got my degree in chemistry. I've done some summer work in industry. I thought, I don't, I don't feel like a chemist. I'm four years in this. I really don't feel like a chemist. I'm walking off, and I found out later that I, I did some work for a division of Kodak. I found out that they didn't think I was a chemist either. They thought I had a college degree. They were going to have to train me to be a chemist. Uh, the hype I had gotten in college was, we're going to train you. Well, they, they actually did help me a great deal. They, they laid a foundation for me. But had I continued to work for Kodak, they anticipated spending a couple hundred thousand dollars training me how to be what I needed to be. Going through college, I was the first one in my family to go through college. Uh, going through college... I was, I thought I was preparing myself for the rest of my life. And in a way I was. You know, again, the education is really helpful. And the experiences that I had were really helpful. But I began to discover as I moved on into the adult world that there, there was a lot that college hadn't done for me. As a matter of fact, most of the adults I talked to felt like that. Time has gone on. I taught college for a little while. God told me I'm a wife. We're going into student, into student ministry and then long-term ministry. We ministered in Los Angeles in the student arena. And then later, God led to Fort Worth. We finished up seminary there and prayed for almost a year on where we were to start a church. I wanted to go back to Los Angeles, and the sign came to stay in Fort Worth. Fort Worth's a great place. It just doesn't have a beach. So we stayed in Fort Worth. We're still there, 1977 to the present. We anticipated we'd spend our whole life somewhere, so we wanted to be really sure that we got this from the Lord. I'm with you today because I'm really interested in the people of God and the work of God. I've worked with people now since really 1971. And there are certain patterns that appear in life that no one escapes from. There's things you must deal with. And we're going to talk about training for those. Uh, first, uh, this afternoon, we're going to be doing a session, I'm going to be doing a session on media, uh, experiencing uh, discerning the culture in entertainment. Uh, John and Carla Holiday will be joining me. They're on their way here now. Uh, they both dealt with the media for years. They have their master's in communication uh, with a focus on media and culture. 
And uh, they've been in, John's been in business, Carla's taught school, and they've done a lot for us as a congregation related to the media. I think you'll really enjoy the time. I, I'm going to assume as we move on into the message today, I'm going to assume that you are a Christ follower, number one. Uh, number two, that you probably have been told you should have a quiet time. And you may even do that. Uh, number three, that you're involved somehow with the scriptures, reading it, studying it, listening to messages. So what I'm going to talk about is not how you should learn to do these things. I'm going to assume you've learned some things about these. Now, if you haven't, you need to. But I'm going to assume that, and I'm going to talk about some other things uh, in life. You finished college, and if you're a part of a student ministry and you've been a part of a good one, you've had a lot of really helpful instruction and some training. You know, education, you learn ideas and how to manipulate ideas. Training, you actually learn how to do something. You know, if you, if you, if all you can do is think, you're not, you're not been trained yet. But if you can actually do something like share Christ or, you know, how to do Bible study or whatever, you've had some training. Uh, as you move on into your 20s, you're going to find that the foundations that you've laid in college will be extremely helpful. But there's some more ahead of you. Have you, have you ever gone through the big frog, little frog syndrome? You go to elementary school and you're a little frog. And then by the time you get up to fifth grade, you're a really big frog now. And uh, then you go into middle school, and you're a little frog again. Then you, you work your way up, and you get to be a big frog, and then you go into high school. And now you're a really little frog. You get to be a senior, and you're sort of the hottest thing going. Then you go to college, and you discover just what a little frog you really were all this time. But by the time you get to be a senior, you're a pretty big frog again. Have you ever seen a Goliath frog? I got a picture. I should have brought it with me. I have a picture at home. Uh, I have some frog pictures. And there, there's, a, there's a kid holding this frog. He's holding it like this. They're, they're from Africa. He's holding a frog like this. Actually, he's holding it like this. And its head is almost up where his is, and its legs are just about down to his feet. Uh, you, there, there are bigger frogs than you know about in this world. You get to be a senior in college, you've learned a great deal. If you've been in student ministry through the whole time, you know, you, you've got some good background. But there are further challenges ahead of you. Why, why train in your 20s? A lot, a lot of people think, and I thought while I was in college, you know, I'm going to go through college. This will get ready for life, and then here we go. Why train in your 20s, particularly if you've been a part of student ministry for years? Uh, let me give you some suggestions. You should have a handout that you can use for note-taking if you want to. Uh, first of all, Scripture seems to indicate the 20s are for training. It doesn't say you must train in your 20s, Isaiah 3.2, you know. It doesn't say that. But it sort of gives an implication of this. Uh, for instance, Joseph. Uh, in the Scriptures, this, this is what Scripture says about Joseph. This is the account of Jacob, the verse says, and it starts off with Joseph. Joseph, a young man of 17. Anybody here 17 or 18? He's your age. Young man of 17. He, he, he sees a vision from God about the future. But you know, the future doesn't take place at 18. Scripture goes on to say, Joseph was 30 years old 
when he entered the service of Pharaoh. 30 years old. Vision at 17. The start of the fulfillment at 30. What did he do during his 20s, if you know the Bible story? What did he do? He's in a training program. Uh, first, he was a, a slave. Then he grew in as the management slave until he ran this huge estate. And he was good at it, about 24 years old. And then because of his integrity and refusing to go to bed with his master's wife, they put him in prison. In prison. And, and it was, they didn't have basketball, they didn't have TV. This was an Egyptian prison in the old days. Nasty, stinky, smelly place. In prison, he begins to learn a new level of humility, and over time, Joseph becomes the administrator. He's running a very, very difficult situation now. And at age 30, he's being a prisoner one day, and the call comes. You appear before Pharaoh. He has time to change his loincloth, shave, and that's it. No time to head back for the books. This is it. And God has him ready for this position. Took him all, all his 20s in slavery and prison. Another guy, David. Saul replies to David. The king replies to David. Whenever David is getting ready to go fight this gigantic guy, Goliath. He's about nine feet tall. Shaquille O'Neal would look like his kid brother. Uh, Saul says to David, who's already been told he's going to be king of Israel. Saul says to David... You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he's been fighting from his youth. You're only a boy. He's 16 years old, maybe. And David replies, God's been preparing me for this. I've killed a few few nasty animals in my time. And this one going down, too. Well, the promise comes somewhere around 16. When David was 30 years old, he became king. David spent the next seven years running for his life with a, a ragtag army that gathered around him from the king who wanted to kill him. At 23, he finally became king of the tribe of Judah. But it was seven more years of training and warfare before he's ready to head the whole nation. Uh, how about Jesus? Jesus is aware early on of God's call in his life. When Jesus, when he was 12 years old, they went to the feast, according to the custom. And at the feast, they have this huge party. It's a great time. And the family heads home. They're just sure that Jesus was with some of the friends. And they get a few days out and realize, hey, he's not here. So they head back to Jerusalem, find him in the temple, talking with the leading theologians of the day. And Mama says, why did you do this to us? We were worried to dance. And Jesus says, at 12 years old, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? See, he already knows this at 12. But the scripture goes on. Now when Jesus himself was about 30 years old, he began his ministry. Wow, 12, 17 to 30, 16 to 30, 12 to 30. There's, there's still time to mature and develop and learn to handle some significant things in life. And that's coming at you in your 20s. As you're going through college, you're experiencing a lot of things. And uh, you're having to deal with stuff. But more is coming. Out of your 20s, you will lay a foundation <clears throat> that you'll use the rest of your life. 
Uh, so scripture seems to indicate this. Again, it doesn't command it. And every now and then God raises up some exceptional person. But for most people, there's, there's more homework to do. Uh, effectiveness. Second thing, effectiveness depends on wisdom, not just zeal. If you listen to Christian speakers, a lot of them get you all pumped up to, we're ready to charge hell right now. No, let us, let us go after them. Well, there, there, definitely you will be involved in dealing with the enemy. He's already after us. Uh, but effectiveness in whatever you do depends on wisdom, not just zeal. Proverbs 19.2 says, it's not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I was 20, I could just hardly wait. The last semester of college was awful. Trees were budding. Flowers were blooming. I was coming down to graduation, and oh, I just had to crawl over the finish line. Uh, I, I knew that life was out there. I was on my way to it. Well, whatever you do, uh, whether it's as a chemist or... As a Christian, whatever you do, you need wisdom. This, this says that knowledge right here, but the, the word knowledge, whenever Proverbs uses it or the Old Testament uses it, usually means not just two plus two equals four. I've got it. That's knowledge. Uh, or history. Knowledge means information that lets you see from God's perspective. That's a scriptural idea of knowledge. Whenever I get that kind of information... And I see life from his angle. I've got something valuable. Now, the other knowledge is helpful. Uh, you know, it can keep you from getting run over by buses and things like that. It's useful. Help you count your money. But this knowledge is crucial. Knowledge is one of the synonyms for wisdom. Uh, you, want, you want wisdom about how to handle particularly life. A third thing, life after college is more complicated. I, I've sort of intimated that. But it's a lot more complicated than in college. Uh, how many of you have had a, I mean, a really busy semester? Anybody? Not everybody, I'm sure, but life, life just sort of gets busier and busier in college. But after you graduate, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, the time structure changes whenever you move into the community and into a job. Or if you head into uh, career ministry somewhere, uh, time structure changes. Discretionary time shrinks dramatically. You know, the, the opportunity, that free time where you can decide if you do A or B or C, it sort of begins to evaporate because you're spending, you know, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. working on a job. You have to leave, leave and get there. And then you, often if you have a good job, you have to stay late and do some extra things. Then you go home. What do you do after you go home? First thing, you'd probably sit down. Then you got things like laundry. And on college campus, if you had a long day in class, what can you do? Well, you can go to the cafeteria and see friends or go to the library where people should be studying. <laughs> uh, or go to the student center. Uh, there is no student center after you graduate. Uh, there's no, no hangout place. Uh, your day, you'll be putting in 50 hours a week on a job and travel. Evenings, you get ready for tomorrow. At night, you know what you do at night after you graduate from college? Yeah, you sleep. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I know some guys in college right now. 
They take all their classes in the afternoon. Then play, play video games till three or four in the morning. It ain't happening on the job. Because on the job, if you, if you're, if you don't arrive able to work, you miss opportunity. You may also miss money. So, discretionary time shrinks. Um, money. You have to master, you either master your money or it masters you. In college, you have some money, but you don't have that much. It's after you begin to get more money that you have to figure out how to deal with it. You earn your own money. Uh, you pay 30% in taxes. Um, and then you pay all your own bills. You have to learn how to live within your earnings because if you overspend, you, you end up drowning in debt. Now, this is a challenge. Right now, it may seem like, oh, money, that would be so different. I'm looking forward to it. Well, great, that, that is something to look forward to. But it's also a way to really have problems. Uh, community context. It's a lot harder to meet people and engage people uh, in the community. There's no hangout place, no dorms, no cafeteria. Right now, if you want to share Christ and you just feel like God's really leading you, where do you go? Well, maybe the dorms. Again, students, where, where people hang out? Where do you go after you're in a job? The mall? Yeah, so it's different. It's harder to meet and engage people. You have to make appointments with friends. On campus, you might run into them. Uh, meeting new people is, and getting together is more difficult. That means that high intentionality is required. If you're actually going to impact the lives of other people, you have to really be intentional. Now, there's no natural connection with loads of people. Connection, if you're going to connect with people, you're going to influence them, then um, you have to be very intentional. And teamwork becomes absolutely necessary if you're going to actually reach out to people. You need other people working with you. On campus, teamwork is helpful in the community. If you're not a part of a group of people reaching out, you get very tired very quick and you tend to just back off. Uh, spiritual context. Once you graduate, your motivating framework is gone. If you're part of a student ministry and you've, you've been a part of that group of people and you have good leaders and it's been so exciting, it helps keep you on track, helps keep you moving. Friendships, spiritual friendships do that. Then you graduate and you move somewhere and all of a sudden they're not around anymore and you begin to begin to unwind spiritually, and then you begin to relax, and then you begin to coast. And after a while, you're just sitting. Uh, so it's, you, it's gone. It's good that you have it. You need to find it again. Uh, learning in the community is different. In college, your learning is pass-fail. You know, if you don't study enough and pass a test, you get an F. What do you do with an F? I'm sure no no one here has ever had one. But what do you do with one if you get it? Well, it's a do-over. You go go somewhere and take a course again and get your F removed, maybe. Uh, In the community, it's not pass-fail. In the community, it's gain or lose. Uh, If you make major mistakes past college, it's not just a change in a grade. Uh, you may be several thousand dollars in the hole. Uh, you may lose a job. 
So the stakes really go up in the community. There's pressure on you in college, but they go up. Uh, You're actually in the ring now, R-I-N-G, ring. Uh, You're not in a video game. Uh, There's an impact for your decisions. You get five brand new areas that challenge you. In college, you've had, you have right now, or if you're in high school, you have areas that challenge you. Uh, you have some relational issues. You have some personal issues. Uh, if, you're, if you're with family, you have family issues. Uh, just learning how to walk with God, that, that's a major challenge. But as you move past college, you end up with some brand new challenges. One of them is adulthood. Um, when do you become an adult? That's hard to figure out in our society. Uh, nobody can tell you. There are articles being written on adolescence now. We invented adolescence in the 1950s because kids were not ready for responsibility until sometime in their 20s. Now they're not ready for responsibility until sometime in their 30s. When do you become an adult? Well, actually become an adult whenever you stop being dependent on other people and you pay your own way and you shift from a selfish mentality to being concerned for the welfare of the whole. Uh, but you, you move into adulthood. There are a lot of things you can get away with right now because, well, you're a college kid. Right? After you move past college, there are really no excuses. And you know, most of you are looking forward to actually stepping up to that challenge. But it is a challenge. And uh, not all college graduates are ready for it. I have a friend who has a business, professional business, has um, 100, 125 employees, all professional people. They hired a college grad from a very good school. He had decent grades. And um, recently had to have a sit-down discussion with him. He's coming in at 10 in the morning. And if mother's fixing dinner that night, uh, he, he might leave at 3 in the afternoon. This has been going on a little bit, so the person over human resources sat him down and talked to him. Said, you know, we're paying you lots of money. And we're expecting you to be here at 8 in the morning. And you're probably going to have to stay later. And you're not showing up. You know what his response was? Well, you know, I've been in college quite a while, and I'm just having a hard time making transition into the community. And I, but I think if you work with me in three or four months, I, I can I can have it done. Well, yeah, but not thirty dollars an hour. <laughs> so there, there's the adult challenge, and figuring out what that is, how it looks, and um, then career. You actually do move into a career, and one of the bad things about most careers, unless you teach school, is there are no semester breaks. As a matter of fact, you get, you get a week off, you feel very fortunate. And then in college, there are a lot of different ways to sort of get your strokes, get, get your good feelings and have people admire you. I mean, you, you can be in drama, you can be an athlete, you can be religious, a lot of different ways. In the career field, there's only one way. You die for the job. Figuring out how to be a good, an excellent employee, not just good, but excellent employee, while maintaining your priorities is a challenge. Um, but it's one that you, you will take. The other is money. We sort of talked about that. Um, once you have money, you start spending money. 
you start spending money, you don't necessarily stop with what you make. You have to learn how to control this thing like God wants you to. Then ministry in the community. It's a challenge. The same principles, if you've been involved at a deeper level in campus ministry and learning how to minister to people, the same principles work in the community. But the application is different because the social dynamics are different. So one of the things my wife and I watched over years, one of the reasons we started the church we did, is we watched a lot of a lot of students who had done well in college get a job, start making money, and get married, and three years later just be totally on the shelf for Jesus. Because these are challenges. Marriage is the other one. If you get married, uh, you'll realize God has finally answered your prayer. You have gotten married. About three weeks later, you begin to wonder, why did God do this to you? (laughs) Marriage takes some real learning. You know why? Two very selfish people have just hooked their lives together. And and they don't understand how each other works either. Because one of them's a guy and one of them's a girl. It takes some learning. My wife and I were in a context where we could actually get feedback and help from some older people as we got married years ago. And it was so helpful because we'd have these problems and we didn't know if they were normal or not. And you know, if you have a problem in your marriage, you've been married six months or three months or two months, you have a problem, it just has to be the absolutely most weird thing that's ever happened in the history of the human race and you don't want to tell anybody about it. And so the problem grows. We had people we could bounce things off of and they could tell tell us if it was normal or not. Help us learn how to relate to each other. Man, they saved us disasters. Uh, you have to learn how to do this thing. Marriage looks great from the outside. And it is great from the inside. But a guy told us, the guy who did our wedding told us, you are getting married in order to work on it. We said, okay. And it turns out he was a prophet. <laughs> Each one of these arenas brings with it problems. You have to figure out what to do about them. Now, the problem is that unless you've been working while you've been going through college, working at a pretty serious job, you don't have experience in handling problems in this arena. Unless you have quite a bit of money to manage going through college, you don't have experience in the money management area. Unless you've been married going through college, marriage is a whole brand new arena. It's not that you haven't learned anything, it's just that Suddenly, the house that you once knew how to manage, you just added four or five big rooms onto it. And you have to learn how to bring them under the control of Christ and handle them responsibly. Now, this is normal, but it really is helpful if you have people who can, who can help you out. Each area has problems. It also has challenges. They're great challenges, great opportunities with finances, with marriage. Uh, but... You need to have to learn how to deal with them. They also have realities. Marriage works certain ways. There are thousands of ways that marriage doesn't work. It works certain ways. Uh, same is true with money. Same is true with career. Uh, success in each area, whether it's career or marriage or whatever, now success uh, demands adequate tools. You need some tools to succeed. You've learned things already. There are just a few more. Uh, Skill in handling responsibilities. Uh, In college, you have some responsibilities. They go way up in a job and in marriage. Uh, The ability to manage your emotions. 
Whenever problems rise, what happens? What do you do emotionally? Well, if you fall into a heap on the floor and cry and beat it, your boss may not appreciate that. Uh, you have, and in marriage, well, you have to learn how to, how to manage your emotions, or if you don't watch it, you'll do things that really damage the relationship. Uh, you've already had some learning in this area. Uh, the, the ante goes up after you graduate. The ability to, to analyze problems, challenges, and opportunities. The, the ability to look at them and see what's really going on. You know, not every opportunity is really an opportunity. A lot of what people call, I have an opportunity to do such and such. They're really sidetracks. We want to learn how to discern these things. Um, perspective. The ability to tell a mountain from a molehill. Now, if, if you're experiencing a problem right now, it must be Mount Everest. Well, somebody who's had a few problems, maybe 10, 15 years down the road, can help you figure out if it really is Mount Everest or you've just never seen a molehill before. <laughs> that kind of perspective really helps. Uh, good judgment in choosing courses of action. Uh, you have to decide what you're going to do about things. That making the decision is called exercising judgment. Many people do not exercise good judgment. If they did, the divorce rate would not be what it is right now. If they did, the financial mess that so many people are in would not exist. You, you learn good judgment. I don't know how many times I've seen men and women, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 years old, fall in love with someone. And you look at the person they're falling in love with, and you know this is going to be problems. But there is no way on earth they will hear you. And I've watched the divorces. I could have told them. And then people in their 30s and 40s, too, who've not learned the lessons. I could have told them. One guy said to me recently, so did you, did you see this coming? Now, he, he had uh, gotten divorced, and his wife left him. And uh, he, oh, he was just so desperate to get married again. And he found a lady who pleased him, and he ended up married to her. He would not, he would listen to no one. And he discovered that he had married Spider Woman. She sucked all her life out of him. And, um, just a, a very, very, very hard person. She ultimately divorced him. He asked me, did you see this coming? I said, yes, I did, and, and several other men did. He said, why didn't you tell me? I said, well, people tried to. Bad judgment. Bad judgment. Uh, if you're going to marry somebody, it would really be helpful if your friends thought you were probably sane in doing so. Good judgment. Though, but we, we, all, we all have to make decisions. You want to learn how to make good ones. And that's a learning process. Then integration with other areas under pressure. It's called priorities. I, I don't know what your experience in college is, but you usually have several things you got to do. You've know, you got to go to class. You have to prepare for tests. You have to write papers. If you're part of a student ministry, there are meetings you're attending and the things you're doing. And, you know, you have to eat. Uh, should shower. Oh, yes, in World of Warcraft. <laughs> there, are things, there are things you got to do. Uh, but uh, what tends to happen is we tend to take this approach to life. I realize that my relationship with God is most important. 
And then my relationship with family is next most important. And then, then ministry. And then, then my, my job, my work as a student, and then other stuff. And what we think is, if I'll just work on my relationship with God and maybe ministry, God will take care of the rest of it. There are several times I wish he had done that. What I keep finding out is he keeps saying, that over there, you're not handling it. But God, I've got five balls to juggle. And now, I know, I told you to juggle five. Can I just lay down three? No. In the community, with the, the shrunken discretionary time, uh, the harder time getting to know people, and the other issues that come up, uh, priorities very easily get jumbled. So you, you need to learn how to pull them together. I've talked about some hard things. We're going to talk about some solutions in just a second. But first, I want you to see four four people. They, they've been a part of our church. They all came through OU and then ended up in Hope and Fort Worth. They came there as singles, ended up getting married, and are in their careers now. Um, they're all better looking than me and about 100 years younger. So I thought you might want to hear from them. Let, let's roll their testimonies. They're talking. I asked them the question, what, what's been helpful to you in being a part of a framework where you can do additional learning in your 20s? So let's listen to them. I try 
And so in college, I really appreciated being part of the ministry team and learning from people. And what I found after I graduated was that life after college really slowed down. And the pace is very different, relationships are very different. And all the things that I learned in college were helpful, but now it's not. And how to just do all sorts of things now that I'm in a new context. And the way that I really think is learn that at a much quicker rate than I would have learned by trying to guess on my own was by finding a team of people and I wrote down that for a hope on people who could give me insight about you know what things are going to look like and how I can most quickly get things done and quickly learn the best way to do things instead of just a good way to work. Um, and We, and I know for me in college, I had like a 
it's not up to a place where I have people around me who are going to help me in this new stage of life. In college, I learned about finances, but finances are easy when you don't have any money. But now that I'm making money, I have to figure out how to use that. And it's easy to talk about marriage and the future, but when I'm married and I'm dealing with life, I need help in that circumstance. And so, OU is a perfect set to be rid of any of those things, but being at home now for a few years after that has been huge in helping me really take those things and apply it in real life. And the other thing that has really stuck out for me in the past few years of being here is I think one thing that's helped me continue to be successful is I have time to take people now that I'm continuing to spend time that are helping me walk with God and do ministry. And I'm not the only one. I've got people with me that I meet with regularly that challenge me with that. They're doing it, so I just watch their life. I can learn things from that. I still have people I try and get with on a weekly basis to learn from and to try and help others. And that's the culture that we're in that we're doing. So I'm not out doing a lot. I tried that overseas for a few years, and it was really difficult for a few years. And when I came back to COVID, it was a perfect place for me to be at so that I could find a place where I have a team and we're doing this together. I'm growing and I'm, I'm still being successful in my walk with God. I hope this is a help to you. The, the, as you move past college, your problem is not that you don't know anything. Now, if you've been applying yourself, you'll learn some really helpful stuff. The problem is, it's just a lot bigger house. And uh, it's helpful to have someone to, to help you. Uh, what, do you learn, what do you need to learn in your 20s? Uh, you're already working on some of these. Here, here they basically are. I've tried to put all these down for you so that in case we ran out of time, we could just zip along. You need to, you need to learn how to skillfully handle the key facets of adult life. Uh, people expect a lot more out of you. And um, you may not live with your mother. So you're going to have to step up. You, you, you can learn this. If you go ahead and learn it, you'll do well. Your 30s go well, 40s go well. If you do not learn it, you'll be, still be stumbling on the same stuff in your 50s. Things like walking with God and making complex situations. If you're, if you're, if you're Robinson Crusoe all, all alone on the island by yourself, you can have a good time Bible reading. Uh, if, you're, if you're in the middle of a very complex situation, you still have to learn how to walk with God. How to manage your emotions, again, but amid stress... Life just has a lot of stress to it. So how do you handle that? How to accurately analyze problems. We mentioned this. How to decide well. How to balance competing time demands. Uh, life, there really are priorities in life. But rather than just being able to work on my walk with God this year and then my family next year and then my job next year, i got to deal with all these at once. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's, life is a lot more like a pentathlon. In a pentathlon, you have five events that you have to you have to go through. You don't have to win all of them, but you must do well in all of them if you're going to win. And that's the way that's the way priorities are. So, just how to how to how to get it going, how to do it, how to minister effectively in the community because it is different. You need to learn how to skillfully handle key facets of adult life, and then. You need, you need to deeply set 
the character that will back your skill. You know, 30 is coming. God's going to put major responsibility on you. Well, that may arrive a little earlier than 30, but or sometime around 30. But you must have the character to back the skill that you have. The reason is, you're going to make your life decisions out of your character. And you can act act spiritual for a long time. But whenever you encounter that situation where you can have it all if you'll just do wrong, that's when you need your character. So scripture says about David. Remember, he went through the training program. David shepherded them with two things. Integrity of heart. Deep, deep, deep integrity. You learn that by testing. You go through circumstances that demand you step up to bat. And then with skillful hands. So skill and character. There are more things to learn. Uh, what does 20s training require of you? If you want to do this, if you want to go somewhere, hope is one place. There are others. But if you want to do training in your 20s, what does that really take from you? Well, here's your list. I put them all with A because I thought that would be cute. Uh, the first thing is attitude. If you're going to if you're going to learn in your 20s, you're going to have to have humility and an eagerness to receive two things. One is input, and the other is correction. Uh, you have I've tried to list several verses for you. The mocker seeks wisdom; he finds none. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. He ignores discipline, despises himself. Whoever heeds understanding, whoever heeds correction, gains understanding. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. Why is that? Because if you're really walking with wise people, they will love you enough to tell you the truth. And if you don't, if you don't like the truth, if you'd rather have a compliment, then uh, you just don't hang out with those guys. He who is full loathes honey. Ooh, I can't, I can't take any cake. I'm just oh, well. But to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. One of the one of the things I've watched through the years, I've watched some people come around, you know, graduate in college. Here we do some additional training people. Watch them show up, and what they really want to do is display all the all the things they've learned in the past. And um, the guys who are helping us train are guys who have businesses, created businesses, they have families, and they walk with God through hard things. And to listen to somebody, 21 or 22 years old, spout off all that he knows about life. They just don't have time for that. So if you come, come hungry. And come ready to learn. But the learning you're going to do is going to be learning like coaching. It's not going to be learning like the world is mostly round. It's going to be helping you figure out how to do things better. A coach encourages you, but a coach also corrects you. So if you want to improve, you're going to need the right attitude. Uh, advisors, if you're going to learn, you, you need some people around you who know better how to do things. There are plenty of people willing to give you advice. Some of it you should take. You need people, wise people, who know whatever arena it is. Scripture says the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure. People who have wisdom, they know how to do things and they know how to time it. Uh, you're going to need aggressiveness. Aggressiveness initiative in seeking advice. Listen to advice, accept instruction. In the end, you'll be wise. 
A mocker resents correction. He'll not consult the wise. Well, if you really want advice, you want how, how, I, how should I deal with this problem? I've got my marriage right now. Then people will willingly help you. Uh, but you're going to have to take initiative. The world is so busy, people don't have time to drop by and see if you're not feeling well today. Uh, so you're going to have to be aggressive about this. Uh, availability. You have to get on your mentor's schedule and into their ministry. The verse says, walk with wise and they'll become, and you'll become wise. Associate with fools, get in trouble. Well, that's true. You walk with wise, you become wise. You hang out with fools, fasten your seatbelt. But notice it's you walk with the wise. What a lot of people want to do is they want to try to persuade the wise people to walk with them. Wise people are hard to come by. You don't just walk out and kick over a rock and under it's a wise man. What do you know about that? <laughs> They're already busy. So you get involved in their world and you're available. Uh, application. Uh, you're not just learning information. You're not just learning stuff that you can impress people with. This is stuff you've got to apply. You're, you're now, you're now not in the class, you're in the lab. Uh, people occasionally come through who really, they want to know what I think they should do. I usually ask a bunch of questions when they do. But if you're working, if you're actually working on something, then you take the information you get and you do something with it. What I've observed is many people really are taking a sociological survey. What do you think I should do? Well, I don't like that. What do you think I should do? I don't like that either. What do you think I should do? Oh, yes, I like that. Well, you need to need to apply, uh, not just collect ideas. And then assisting. You help out those who help you. The major principle in Scripture. Galatians 6 says, anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things. You help them out with those who are his instructor. You come as an adult to learn as an adult, and that means you help. Now, Paul says about Timothy, many of you are familiar with the Paul-Timothy principle. Now, what that sounds, what that tends to sound like if you don't watch it, is that some great, wonderful person just walked over to you and said, you're now my disciple. And you say, oh, that's so wonderful, I'll be famous because you're famous. And I'll see you every now and then. But that's not the way it works. Uh, but scripture says, Timothy, as a son with his father, has served with me in the awful word, work of the gospel. You, you actually get in and you help out. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because I'm talking to you about training in your 20s. Uh, if you're actually going to, going to take advantage of opportunities to learn, it's going to be on your shoulders. So there's a lot of opportunity, uh, but you must bear the responsibility for it. I have never been successful in making people learn. I've been able to help some people who really want to learn. Uh, last question. Where do you train in your 20s? Where do you go? Simple answer. Where training is available. Experience is available everywhere. 
Now, the problem with the experience is this. Unless you're able to successfully learn from it, the next 40 years is just that one year of experience repeated 40 times. If you can get under someone who can get or get in a framework where you can get some coaching and move on into your 20s, uh, you'll, you'll learn how to handle stuff. You get on top of it. You'll be able to move on with life. It would be wrong for you to get out of college and say, I'm so scared to death. I don't believe God can take care of me. Where can I go and hide out and learn? That's not the right reason to learn. Fear, fear is not a reason to, to hang back. A guy once, once was thinking about being part of the ministry. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, I think it could help you, but let me ask you some questions. I asked him a few questions. And I asked him about his trust in the Lord. And he said, well, Harold, I just don't know if I could make it out there with just me and Jesus. I said, then you definitely need to go and not stay. Because for you to stay here with that kind of lack of trust in the Lord would be an unfaith step. So I'm not talking about being so afraid of the future you go somewhere and hide out. I'm talking about the fact God is calling you into the future like he did Joseph, like he did David. As the Lord himself set the pace. Uh, when you, if you do go somewhere to learn, you go to prepare in the middle of actually doing life. As you prepare in the middle of doing, you learn. If you have coaches, you learn well. So I'm not talking about hiding out, hiding away from God, but I'm talking about getting ready. Uh, you go where training is available. The, the usual approach after college is this. I look around and I try to find a job. I'm so desperate for a job. After all, I owe a half million dollars in educational loans. Uh, or I just want to get on with the future. And what I do is I take a job and then I, I start looking around to see if there's anything happening spiritually there. And it turns out in a lot of places there's not much happening. I would strongly encourage you to find some place where you can get involved in training and find a job there. Put the priority on the training. Your marriage will be much better for it. Actually, your career will be much better for it. Uh, set the priority on training. Where do you go specifically? Well, there, there are different churches around the country. There are different opportunities where you can do this. There are also several thousand where you can't. That's not their bad churches. They just are not prepared to do this kind of thing. Uh, God will lead you. Seek God. If you're looking for a place to train, ask your student ministry director for specific places. Uh, they should be able to help you find places. Uh, we're, we're doing it in Fort Worth. Uh, if you want to come to Fort Worth, really go through all the A's here. Availability, aggressiveness, and all that stuff. Tattoo it on the back of your eyelid so you can review it frequently. And then um, come on. But there, there, there are other places that are doing a good job developing people. Um, so it's not just us. You, you heard on the video, uh, hope, 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 because they all go to hope. But there, there are other places. However, training is not going to come after you. Uh, you'll need to go after it. You're here because you're actually probably serious about this thing with God. You're here because you really do want to know him. You're here because you really do want to make an impact through the years. Uh, if you've been involved in a good ministry, you're already learning. Praise God for it. Learn all that you can while you're there. As you move on into the future, uh, get some help 
getting your feet on the ground as an adult. If you will, you'll vastly profit. But if you do, go as a contributor. A guy once told me, so I'm so glad to be here at Hope. He's a younger guy. He's a seminary student and involved in our training. I said, you are? He said, yes. He said, I want to get everything I can while I'm here. I said, you know, a bank robber has the same attitude. Jesus says, you give, it'll be given to you. Good measure. Press down, shake it together, writing over. So go to invest, and in the investing, you, you, you receive. I hope this has been helpful to you guys. Uh, you fellows are going to last a lot longer than many of us in this room. God's given you many years ahead of you. Uh, may God bless it. May you learn your lessons well. And may he use you to really impact the next 50, 60 years. I'd like to lead some prayer and then turn it back over. Would you join me? Father, we know that life itself comes from you. Spiritual life comes from you. And ultimately, all the good that we have in Christ Jesus comes out of of you. Thank you for giving us people to love us, encourage us, and help us. I pray for my brothers and sisters here as they're in a key point of learning in their life. I pray that you'd prepare them for their 30s and 40s and 50s. I pray that you would grant them, Father, help in making major decisions in life. I pray you put it in their hearts to be learners and to make an impact in this world that would honor Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for the precious treasure of having the Holy Spirit living within us. Show us, O Lord, how to cooperate with him. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.